I'm going to share very quickly, uh, today I said I'm speaking about communication, um, and I'm going to share very, but before that I'm going to have a couple up, there's a married couple up, I'm just going to ask them a couple of questions. Um, um, yep, so um, let's welcome, so, so it's Benga and Tega, and uh, let's put our hands together and welcome them as they come upstage. I'm just going to ask She's not, no, she's not Benga and Tega, but... <laughs> okay. Okay. Welcome, guys. This is my... Please. Hi, hi. They were very graciously donated by, ben... <laughs> by Benga's sister. So when I said I was going to speak, yes, please. But my iPad is on it, so if you break it, then there's a problem. <laughs> Um, I was going to speak about communication. Um, you need a mic eventually, but we'll get one for you. Um, I said we need a couple who, um, um, I think, yeah, sit down. Yes, we need a couple who can speak about communication. And she's like, ah, yes, Benga and Tega had communication issues. <laughs> so is that you? But I'm just joking. But, but you, how long have you been married now? We've been married six years, and we dated for 10 years. So, I've known him 16 years. Was that voluntary or was that... Like <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> 16 years all together. Okay. Was that good? <laughs> okay. Um, well, I mean, the 10 years um, we dated, it was half and half... Um, I lived in Port. I grew up in Port Harcourt. He um, grew up in Lagos. Then I had to um, go to do my masters in England. Then he was in Nigeria. So half and half. But we dated ten years. There were up times and good times. There were times I was like, there was the, the last time I said to him, "Look, I need to know if we're in for this or if we're out." And the next the week I got Port a Harcourt ring. Girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you gave him an ultimatum. Okay. Yeah. And you were a Lagos guy. You could understand all this militancy. And <laughs> <laughs> it's actually happened in England, though. But it's happened in England. Coventry House. Okay. Initially, when we started dating, we can't hear Gwenga. Is the mic on? Sorry. Yeah. So in Nigeria, we were dating for 10 years. Um, we didn't. Oh, sorry. All 10 years, and we dated for 10 years. And, um, so when she moved to do our masters. Obviously, I was still in uni like then because of all the extra strike and all. Because I did engineering, so and then afterwards, obviously after my first degree, I also went to the UK. But while I was applying to schools, I thought I wasn't going to stay in Coventry because obviously I heard a lot about Coventry that I was going to stay in London. So I, I was in Queen Mary. She was in Coventry. We used to play a lot about that. And then, um, so it was, we were never together, basically. I think one thing that kept we're friends. We're friends first before. Okay, we're friends first before we're lovers. So. Um, oh, hang on, hold on. Say that again. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like it, and it's like something I can use in my notes later. I'll say it again. So we're friends first before we're lovers. So. That just sounds like debunch. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a line out of. What's good? What's good? So like even it. when um, we had so many downtimes in the ten years. I would still pick up my phone every day and say, hi, how are you? Are you okay? Have you eaten? Yeah, we spoke literally almost every day for We spoke every day for like yes. 10 years. Wow. But there were times when we were really having issues and it was like, okay, it's done. But I would still call him, are you okay? Have you eaten? Are you fine? And I guess that's what yeah. kept it going for the whole. So you're calling every day for 16 years? For 10 years. For 10 years. Okay. So, so um... Okay, how do you describe yourselves and how did your personalities affect how you communicated with each other? Okay. So, I mean, I already can see the plot. I can see you, Niger Delta, going on. He's like a chilled Lagos guy, you know, they don't like to do, talk too much. Then you now went away. Then he now came and joined you in the away. So, how did all that, how did all that affect, it's a lot of stuff, how did that all, how did your personalities, your background, how did it affect communication? Well, um, he's very expressive. Um, I'm not. 
He's very emotional. I'm not. Um, <laughs> so, no, no, I think he needs to tell you something about emotions because your son will come, my brother. Okay. Just relax. <laughs> so um, he was, to be honest, he was a driver of the relationship um, because I would just go quiet, um, but he would keep talking and um, trying to get me back on. But like, um, okay, I'll give you an instance. He's very, he's very loving. That's one thing that... Um, Sorry, just say that again, please. He's, he's, very, <laughs> he's very loving. I mean, my birthday is February 17th, and then there's Valentine's Day. And all the 16 years, I've gotten a gift on February 14th and February 17th. He didn't take the average and give you one gift. <laughs> he would always drive down from Lagos when I was in Babcock. He would come every Valentine's Day, and he would come back on the 17th with a cake and a gift. So I guess those things kept me going. <laughs> Even when I was stubborn and I knew that there were guys out there who wouldn't do like half of what he would do. So it just kept me grounded at the back of my head. Like, this is my last bus stop. Even here. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Very good point. Very good. Because my birthday is in December and Christmas is in December and my anniversary is in December. Sometimes they give me average gifts. But, but this is good points you raise here. I see how God brought you to church. Focus, guys. Focus. I see how you reacted when she said you were very emotional. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, um, there's just some things I usually expect from her anyway. But um, over the years, I've grown to know her, especially, you know, we're young when we're dating. Well, as we grow older, a lot of things changed, you know. So. What? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> That's very, a very loaded statement. A lot of things changed. I like the way you said it and yeah. winked at me. So, what were these things that changed? Oh, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she grew in from a girl to a woman. So, I mean, the face, obviously, you know how he is. A lot of things change. Like, for example... Um... <laughs> okay. All right. I'll try not to talk too much, so I won't say too much. Um, so, for example... Um... <sighs> okay. All right, I'll say it, I'll say it. Um... Okay, let's just put it this way. Okay, um, <laughs> sorry. Okay, say for example, um, we're going out, for example, and I expect her to say, okay, oh, I just come back from somewhere and I expect her to like, give me a peck or something. And then, I mean, when she was younger, maybe we should do it, but over the years, and this is like, she just, hey, hi, how are you? Okay. And to me, um, initially, because, um, um, I mean, it was a long journey, I had a lot of friends. So, in between the 10 years, obviously, it was up and down and all. Um, so, I would expect some certain things. But um, what kept me going was I knew there was something in her that I just had to stick to. That I couldn't find anywhere else. You sound like you want to say a bit more. <laughs> okay, I just, just, so I'm going to ask you two more questions. Yes. Um, uh, what was the so, what, what, are the, what do you, when do you find it most difficult to communicate with each other? What's... Uh, well, we have a set of twins, so, and you know how it is. So, most times, um, when she comes back from work, or probably I come back earlier, and then she comes back afterwards, so, she says to me that, okay, she doesn't say it, that's the problem, she just acts it, I mean, she puts up the face. So I think um, what she wants is obviously to for everything to be clean, the kids should be in bed. And I'm like, well, we paid someone to do that. Why should you have to do that? You know? Um, um, so when she comes in, I'm like, okay, look, Tiger, we need to talk. Blah, blah, blah. And I keep talking. And okay, this is the plan for the week. This is the plan for the year. What are we doing next year? Are we going on holidays? You know, things like that. But she's not in the mood to talk. So I guess... Um... <laughs> How do you deal with that? Oh, yeah. You just keep uh, on talking and just talking. Uh, well, what I noticed was um, if I keep talking, even if she puts like a fence, it sinks in because the next day I can see what I've said. And you, just, you just wear her out by talking and talking I don't, to her. I don't do that. What happens at this time when he wants to talk and he's talking and you don't want to talk from what he says? And like I'm there, I'm just saying what he said. Initially, um, because I'm not... A I'm not much of it. Well, I'm sanguine, but somehow I'm not much of a talker. I can't explain it. So when 
for me, my love language, his love language is physical touch and quality time. My love language are acts of service and words of affirmation. So very different. Yeah. So when I when I've had like a long day, I know they have a nanny, but when I've had like a long day, I don't want the twins to come and, so I'm like, okay, it's simple, um, like we're sleeping and one of the twins come in and I'm like, baby, can you just help me um, sort them out? And then he's like, he's not answering me. So I get upset and then I begin to react. I don't say it, I just begin to react and I would never speak. So he's wondering what's wrong with you, but I'm just expecting you to understand that that is what the problem is. So. That's when, and then at that point in time, I zone out and I zone off. So anything you're saying is going like literally over my head. So I just put up a face and I'm just looking at him. And how do you how do you bring her out when she's quiet? When she's in her quiet place, when she's reserved? Um, since I've known her over the years, I've learned to it. And obviously, the way she is, if she doesn't tell you immediately, but um, afterwards, when we come out, she texts. I mean, she says it out and look, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. So I'll learn from that and then the next time, of course, okay, I know time. what to do. I must say he's very, extremely patient because I know I can be very stubborn. And I just thank God. He's really, that's one of like the, one of the things that kept me going as well is it was almost like anything for Tega. So he's really a patient guy. I haven't taken it for granted though, but he's really patient. Okay, very good. And then one of the things I also want to mention was um, one of the things that kept me going with her was um, I remember I had the dream. Yeah, and in the dream, because um, when I was younger, my mom used to tell me, pray for life partners. I think I was about 10 or 11. I used to wonder, can you pray for life partners at 10 and 11? But obviously, she always kept it in prayers and all. So I guess in one of the years, I told her anyway that I dreamt about her, and then we were together, and then we sat down together, and then we were like, okay, ah, after all this, we're still together. And then I guess that was one of the things that kept me going. And most importantly, you know, we have to be very prayerful about everything. That's because it's the prayers that really kept us. Fantastic. So at 10, you were already praying for your life partner. I had to. Was Lagos that hard then? <laughs> I wasn't thinking, I didn't know what was happening here. But okay, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I, I would love for us to talk a lot more with them but they are around after service. But let's just put our hands again. Let's celebrate this beautiful couple. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, Hopefully, I will have you up next Sunday. But I'm going to have, next week, I speak about conflict resolution. Um, Larry and Tosin Babalola, a couple I've known. Thank you so much, Samuel. This is Samuel. Samuel is our head of ushering. Also very strong. I can see where he carried the pulpit. And single. <laughs> I'm just saying, just wanted to help a brother out. Okay. But next week, I then will have a quick discussion with... Um, with Larry and Tosin as we speak about conflict resolution um, because they've managed quite a bit of conflict. But thank you so much, Tiga and, and Benga. I really appreciate it. And I like all the things they said. And, and um, you see how they've said that the key to having a happy marriage is to go on for 10 years before... <laughs> on close, as close as possible. But you don't have to go on for 10 years. But thank you so much. Um, Benga is actually Ferrari's brother. For those of us who know Ferrari... I'm sure we don't know Ferrari. <laughs> Ferrari wave so the church can see. That's Ferrari. That's Tokbe. Okay? All right. Um, God asked me to start from Matthew 6.14 today. Matthew 6.14 speaks about forgiveness. Um, and I was a bit... I was a bit... Um, hesitant because someone had asked me about forgiveness during the week. And I didn't want it to look like I was then using what she had asked me during the week to shade her, right? So when, I, when God led me to Matthew 6, 14, uh, Matthew 6, where it says, um, it says, and if you forgive men, 6, 12, and I read, it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. And 14 says, for if you forgive men, their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. And and forgiveness is a huge thing. It's a big key ingredient in successful relationships. And one of the things I'm really keen on for us, uh, we're not discussing marriage now just because you are about to get married. 
we're discussing marriage now because for a number of people, this should give you a head start. And forgiveness is one of those things which you can start learning how to do now, but must learn how to do quickly. Um, so, you can learn it when you get married, but if you've learned it already, it's easier. Um, and I get the impression, not from my own personal experience, but I get the impression that the things which happen in marriage sometimes, you know, are very deep. Yeah. Um, if Yimika offends me, it, I kind of, it's easy to, you know, but because she doesn't offend me that regularly, it's kind of easy to just apportion forgiveness and walk away. But if the person is offending you like on a permanent basis by the things they do and the things they don't do, sometimes even just seeing the person offends you, it becomes tasking. And so it's useful to have learned how to forgive in small things. Um, and, and this is instructive for me. In fact, when um, I was speaking to Wumi, planning service, she said, oh, I'd already told the person who was going to lead prayer today to lead prayer about unforgiveness. And I was like, okay, fine. So I'll just speak about it anyway. So I just want to encourage us. And, and forgiveness is intentional. And I said to my friend during the week that sometimes you forgive first and then the feelings and the emotions will come. But it's an act of your will. Okay? So that's very important. So please help me tell the person next to you, I forgive you. So I really forgive you. I forgive you. Okay. I forgive you all. <laughs> all right. Um, for the guys, I said I was going to say one thing every Sunday that was just specifically for you. Proverbs 31.10 says about the, the, the virtuous woman that she is far more precious than jewels and her value is far above rubies and pearls. This week, I just want to encourage the guys that you, last week we talked about how you should treat women like queens. And, and this week is just to understand that um, when you have something that is really valuable, you treat it with a lot of care, with a lot of sense of appreciation, and you protect it. And lastly, with a lot of gentleness. Um, there are things which a woman will experience that as a guy you will never be able to experience or understand. And that's a fact. I don't think you should take care of anything as a guy, anything better than you take care of your wife. This includes your cars, your computer, your bank account, your extended family. Um, you know how it is with your cars. When you drive on the road and the temperature sign goes, shows it's hot, you don't just whistle and say, oh, doesn't matter. I'm just going to press this. You know, just going to keep on accelerating. You don't do that. You merely pack. And as a guy, you need to learn after a while that even if steam is coming out of her head and she's overheating, that's not the time to say, ah, doesn't really matter. I'm a guy. Because you won't do that to your car. You would stop. And after thinking of how much money you're going to spend on the car, you would get water. You do everything possible to keep your possessions in good shape. And so it's important to be able to read signals, um, to value input, to ensure that it's sufficiently supplied. It's, you, you don't, your fuel tank or gate doesn't read empty and the red light comes and you just keep on driving and whistling. Oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And I know that, um, I'm going to speak about that later in the message. I know that as people who grew up in Africa, sometimes we are taught that women are second class. The women are not as important as men. And it's actually a lie. Um, it's a big lie. Um, women are extremely intelligent, resourceful, and awesome. And, and the Bible says when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. And because of that, he obtains favor from God. It means that there is a level of favor that you come into as you find a wife. Um, I just want to ask you men to treat your wives in particular and as many women as God will bring into your space as 
more precious than jewels. If I gave you a box and I said, this box is full of gold and silver, a proper box of gold and silver, you won't, there, there are ways you would treat that box that probably would make people think you are crazy, but because you know what's in the box, you, would, you wouldn't just fling it in your living room and go to bed. You put it near your pillow, just beside you, in your safe. You probably tie it to yourself. You wake up in the night and check, but it's still there. And it's important that as a man, if I say, come there, if you, if you do not value your wife, if you do not value your wife, um, it will show in marriage. Um, and it reduces the quality of the home that you raise together. Um, can you please help me tell a man next to you, tell them God is bringing you near gold very soon. Tell them with confidence, God is bringing you near gold very soon. In fact, tell them something more precious than gold. <laughs> and tell them, please take care of it properly. All the men in agreement, please say I. Okay, the eyes have it. Okay. So communication in marriage. Um, to commune means to it's 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 interesting how it comes from that same set of words to commune. The word common. It means to share, to become intimate, to participate, to get included in. I know last week we spoke about, laid context, you know, and spoke about the fact that, you know, God will give us a promise when we get married. And that Bible says that through faith and patience, we inherit that promise. And we spoke about the fact that the outcomes of our marriages, when we get there, are predictable. That we sow seeds. So good marriages don't happen by mystic or accident. And bad marriages do not happen by mystic or accident. They are intentional. If you ever see two people who are happily living together, it's a product of the things that both of them have done. Um, and it doesn't matter. I mean, your choice of who you marry is critical. But what you do with that person in that relationship is even more important. The choice of who you marry is critical, right? But what you do, because, and there's a lot of proof this. There are people who had marriages that they didn't see their bride until the day of the wedding. And I know a lot of guys wish that happens to them. Just show up. Say, ah, Tolu Animi, it's your wedding on Sunday. Please come dressed nicely. Your best suit. So you just come. And then as you show up, they just bring Rachel from the choir. Oh, you're like, yes. You know, and then, bam, you're married. But a lot of people who are in that circumstance, I don't think there's a Rachel in the choir, right? So we're fine. Okay. All right. Um, but a lot of people who are in that circumstance who've lived, who've raised you know, happy homes, very happy homes. So sometimes we, we over, um, we, we put too much of a premium on all the romance and the dancing before the marriage. Because there are principles which if you run your home by, you will get a happy home. A home that pleases God. Um, when we teach about communication, we say that um, the quality of communication in a home is a pointer, it's one of the biggest pointers to the health of the home. It's like the blood pressure of the marriage. I like how in Genesis 2.25, the Bible speaks about Adam and Eve and says that they were both naked and not ashamed. There was a level of intimacy that they both achieved. I like how Paul was writing to the church in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6, 11. Um, it says, look, we have spoken freely to you, O Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. He says, we are not withholding our affection from you. He says, but you are withholding yours from us. He says, as a fair exchange, I speak to you, my children. Open wide your hearts also. The Bible is clear, you know, again and again about how people get to the place where it's more than just a transactional relationship happening. Communication is key to that happening. It's 
It's about transference. It's more than just words. Let's talk about that very quickly. It's actually about the sharing of your heart and of your life. So Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says, a fair exchange is that I've opened wide my heart to you and that you would please open your heart to me also. Help me talk to the person next to you and tell them, please open your heart. I didn't say you should tell them to open it to you, but just tell them to <laughs> open your heart. Except, of course, you're married to them, of course. You should tell them to open. Because it's a huge privilege to be able to walk into somebody's heart, literally, and have them walk into yours. Um, it's, it's, um, I think it's in Isaiah when the prophet says, do not hide yourself from your own flesh. And I like that phrase. I suspect I lift it out of context, but I like it because the temptation sometimes is to get to the place in life and in marriage where essentially you are hiding yourself from your own flesh. Where you are not... And marriage is supposed to be a place where there's no shame. You are able to say, this is who I am, what I am, where I'm, what I'm doing, what I'm struggling with, what I'm... And, and, and communication is key to that. So in marriage, we are all communicators. There used to be that Nokia phone that some people tried to die for years ago <laughs> called the Nokia communicator. I don't know if you're old enough to remember it, but it was long and you, you opened it. Oh, that was a phone. <laughs> that was a real phone. If you, if you had that phone then, you were a boss. You, you, knew, you, you didn't have to say anything. You just put the phone down and people knew that you had arrived already. Okay? But we're all communicators. And, and one thing that was big on my heart, and this is important for us to note, is that, so what happens is, in marriage, because we're communicators, we all bring, so we're essentially gates. And through us, stuff arrives into our home. Through you, joy can be sent into your home or your relationship. Through you, holiness, sound counsel, wisdom, Peace can arrive in your home. Through you, vexation of spirit, anger. Some say, ah, God forbid. But we <laughs> just relax. Um, unhappiness, wickedness, envy can arrive through your home. And it's about who you submit yourself to and how you choose to communicate and what you choose to communicate. So we must never be the ones who are channels for hatred, for fear, for wickedness, evil, greed, envy in our homes, even in our relationships. And you see, it's important now because if, because now you're, I mean, we're not, some of us, a lot of us are not married yet, but if in your office you are the certified carrier of gossip already, untrue, most of the gossip, wicked in intent already, these habits don't go away very quickly like that. And what happens is if you're already the one who is used to causing discord among people in your nuclear family, the challenge is that it's something you need to deal with now before you get into marriage. So words are the primary means of communication. They're not the only means, but they're the primary means of communication. Last week we read from Ephesians chapter 5, um, or I pointed it out, where Jesus speaks about himself and the church. He speaks about, or Paul speaks about Jesus and the church as an analogy, an example for a man and his wife. I think it's in verse 26 where Paul says that there's a work that Jesus is doing in the life of his bride and he calls it a cleansing by the washing of water by the word. It's very interesting there because in my mind it means that there is an exchange happening that brings Jesus' bride to the place of the promise. One of the things that happens when people, when there's severe conflict in a home is that communication nose dives, right? If you've ever seen, and of course you've seen most of us here, I've seen our parents quarrel before. And what happens when the quarrel happens is that for a couple of days, there's, a, mm, there's no communication just or you've quarreled with somebody before. Some of us have quarreled with people before, right? True or false? And you've not quarreled. Anybody here who's not quarreled before? Okay. 
And what, you know what happens is that you're not, you're not, you don't feel very keen to now call the person and say, how are you doing and all that. A lot of the times, it's, you, it's a strained communication. But words are powerful. So Jesus is constantly engaging with the church by his words. And something is happening to the transmission of life. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.21 that death and life and the power of the tongue and he that loves it will eat the fruits thereof. So your words are, are a huge deal in marriage. I say that we must learn how to release life by our words into our marriage. So we need to be deliberate about the use of words. Anybody who's listened, heard me talk you know, uh, last one year would know that I say Christians, uh, Hebrews 3, I think Christ, uh, Paul says as long as it's today to encourage one another. That every Christian is due a daily dose of encouragement every day. And I say to people when I counsel with them, I say, there's so much happening in the world that when your spouse gets home, they shouldn't be fighting another battle. Home should be where they get encouragement. Should be where, you know, after their boss has scolded them, after people have tried to knock them down in traffic, after stuff has happened, home is the place where they should come to. And they should hear, oh, you're just such a wonderful man. I know there are millions of guys in this Lagos, but there's nobody's head that's like your head. I just like the shape. It's just, it's just round. And man, the guy's just looking at you, half amused. He knows you're lying, but he just, he just, he, he knows, you know, home is where your wife is supposed to come to. And just tell her, ah, you are indeed a beauty queen. You know, it's where you should tell her, you know, when I saw you on the streets of Marina, 20 years ago, I didn't know you would look this pretty 21 years. You know, the home is where, with words, you should defend, you should encourage, you should exalt. It's not, home is not where they should come to. Home is not where they should be trying, they should pack in front and be going, oh, should we go in, should we not go in? That's not how God, because our words are powerful. I remember for years I would pray, God, give me words that build and not break. Give me words that encourage, edify, and exalt. I think Paul says, you know, that our words should be um, in Colossians for a seasoned with salt. Says that we know what to answer everyone. I love that scripture in Isaiah 50 and 4, which says, says the Lord has given me the lips of a learned, that I will speak a word in season to him that is weary, that he that hears will be strengthened and encouraged. Isaiah 54. Our words... I mean, we say to the couples, when we counsel, we say, general rules, there are no insults. We don't insult each other in marriage. I know you've watched African Magic. You've seen our parents. There, there's, no, there's no reason to insult. And you shouldn't insult people as, as a Christian. You shouldn't insult. But in, your, in marriage, okay. Now, we all know what insults are, right? <laughs> All right. We all know what insults are. Um, please let me tell the person sitting next to you, you cannot insult your spouse. Okay. So, so you won't say somebody didn't tell you. <laughs> but you cannot insult your spouse. And that's a rule I say to all the couples that I counsel. You can't say you are just mad. You are a fact. You, you can't, you can't, that's a no-go. No, there's no anger that's entered your heart or head. That never. All right. Um, I know we have a lot of people who have just gotten back from the abroad. I just want to warn us also. I see the couples, there's no vulgarity. All the, you didn't get it here, so don't bring it. If you got it when you're in the West or wherever, you, you live at the airport. Um, we don't use swear words. So it's, ah, that's so, yeah, so prudish. But it's about the fact that you are communicating life at home with your words. We don't abuse, we don't condemn. This is important because it's not easy to do depending on where you've grown up. Um, I say it again and again that I didn't grow up in Lagos. I grew up in Benin. And I didn't grow up in the posh part of Benin. I grew up in... Uh, the part of Benin I grew up was where there were regularly people fighting around us. You know, so it was good, good entertainment. There was no DSTV at the time. So it was just... You just go near the side of the house and just listen. And they would trade insults, quality insults, deep. Well, you know, well thought out. And they would, it's not this, you're mad. No, deep, deep. 
and then they will leave themselves, your family, your father. So they really got interested. Because you know how, I don't know where Nigerians go, but when you just say your father, ah, my father. So whether you like your father or not, you don't feel, ah, I must defend the honor of my parents. Ah, no, no. If everybody in your family is a witch, ah, then you just move into, and you know, and the devil, the devil is just clapping, the demons are like, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, they're just, you know, and you're just, you know, but those words destroy the home that God has asked you. But, but then communication is more than just words. So, my favorite scripture on communication, James 1.19. He says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And it says, because the wrath of man does not walk the righteousness of God. And I said to people, when we teach the class, I said, look, there is your, so if you look at your hearing, if you consider your hearing or listening and your speech, we can ascribe speed to them. It's not, it doesn't, but there's speed. It doesn't sound logical, but there's speed to the, so you can hear quickly. So he says, if you can, you want to measure, you know, what should be faster, your listening should be faster than your hearing. And I know some of us, I mean, I, for example, I'm very quiet and reserved. Those who are close to me know. I don't talk a lot, except I'm provoked or I have the mic. Um, but not everybody is like me. Some of us talk more than others. In fact, I realize that in our generation, we've told people that being able to speak up and speak quickly is good. And it is good. We tell our children, ah, no, don't be quiet. Talk. talk. Everybody is talking. Say your own. If you go for an interview, they put you in a panel. They say, they want to just observe you guys. They're discussing the topic and I've been one or two ones. You see how people struggle to put their conversations in, you know, to say their own point. Because if you're the one who doesn't say anything in the 10 minutes, they say, discuss the economy and they're just talking. And you just say, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> you ain't getting it, you know. Because <laughs> when the people are, they're looking for a person who can, you know, say their own. In fact, we even have gone into the place, and it's nice where we celebrate people who are very quick-witted, you know? So that even before you finish saying something, you just say something smart and sharp. People know, and, and we, all sorts of things. The shade is a, whatever, it's a, whatever, you know? When you say something, and people are like, ah, ah that's, that's nimble-minded. You just thought that was very bright. It's very good in social settings. It's very dangerous at home. Because, um, Listening is one of the ways that we communicate respect. Um, I read a book, I was reading a book over the weekend where the gentleman said, listening does not necessarily say I agree with you, but it says that I respect you. Listening says that I have your interests at heart. You communicate better with people who you know. And when you listen to people, you know them better. It's like studying so he says, be swift to hear and be slow to speak. Um, sometimes, when I was my, earlier in my career, I thought about active listening where they would say, when the person finishes talking, you try to repeat to them what they've said. That doesn't always work because sometimes you're just annoyed. Like, and you know, if I, <laughs> and um, it's taking practice for me to get to the place where I don't interrupt. But when I'm, it's not, I'm not perfect at all um, just yet. But you need to hear what people say and you need to listen sometimes beyond what they're saying. Because sometimes when people ask you, how are you? They're really saying, um, I'm not in a good place. Um, and when you, simple courtesy says that when you interrupt people when they're talking, um, that it's disrespectful. Why is this important? Even God respects us. And that's that's because He listens to us when we pray. And the one key thing in marriage is the I'm not going to have my way. It's important, and and so the ability to sit down and actually listen to what someone is saying and understand what they are saying brings a huge amount 
of benefit to your communication. Um, tone of voice. So they say to us that, so that words are just a small percentage of our communication. That there's also what is called non-verbal communication. So they say to you that your tone of voice is also very important. Um, so one of the things I did at Elevation Church, I think for like four years, was I was the pastor in charge of membership, family life, and all. So I saw quite a bit of, so I had to resolve marital issues quite a bit. And it was always interesting when you're trying to resolve an issue. And um, let's say, because there's a couple, so this is Dami and Tolu. Let's say they came to me. It's always interesting how when uh, Dami would then say her side of the story, she said, look, that's how I just told Tolu. Why don't, why do you always do this thing like this? You know, I just said it very lovingly. And you know, I just said, Tolu, why did you do it like this? Consider doing like that, and like that, and like that. Same words. Tolu just, you know, for when she's saying it, Tolu will look at her. Like, mm. Then when Tolu's turn, like, no, P.I. So that's how Dami just told me. Why do you always say these things like this? It's the same words, but it's very different tone and body language. You could say the same thing to the same people. And, you know, and, and women are very gifted at non-verbal communication. It's by the rolling of the eye, by hand gestures. Uh, you know that, so you, you resolve quarrels sometimes where the man is struggling to explain to you what the woman said. Because it wasn't something that was said with words. It was a, there was a body language or something. There was a way she did her hair and they just, and it just, he man knew it. He picked it. Ah, no. There's, she's communicated something there. I know we've, you know, social media, we've probably seen that thing before where the vernacular word, ehen, right? It's where it's described and there's various different meanings. That it could mean, um, I'm shocked. Ehen. Or I know, ehen. I'm shocked. Or it could mean, uh huh. So, so what? So, so what? You know? Or it could mean, uh-huh. Like, you know, I, I remember, I remember. Or it could mean, uh-huh. Or, or it could mean, or does it, does it wonder, see yourself? Where it goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, does, does see yourself. Or there's the one where it's like, no wonder, where it's like, uh-huh. You know? It's the same word, but it's just, it's just, it's just going, there's the I told you so what? Like, uh-huh. You know, there's that all that. There's the I'm shocked. Uh-huh. You know? And it's, because you can't use a hair just by, you know, you have, there's a body language that then communicates to the hearer the depths of what you are really, so, you know, if you check it online, they're like maybe eight, nine different definitions of, of what the same word can mean. And it's the same thing in marriage and communication. And, so, and some people are very skillful at using words and saying other things because they know that if it comes to the place of reconciliation, they can only say, all I said was ABC. But they know that what they really communicated is something just the rolling of the eyes. You know? And then what then happens is that everybody knows, you then get to know your partner. And there are specific things that they will do. Sometimes just a hiss. Yeah, and, and you're like, but... So, at the end of the day, they're saying, but, but when you finish saying it, you then hissed. No, say, no, 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 no. Focus on what I said. No, but you hissed at the end. And we all know that that hiss wasn't a, you know, salutary thing, you know? And so, your tone of voice is also important. Um, it is Dr. Gary Smalley who says that true communication does not occur until each person understands the feelings that underlie the spoken word. A couple of quotes I put down. It says, the real message is oftentimes the emotion behind the words. And this next one I like because it's a real thing. It says that some of us shy away from effective communication because we feel vulnerable in the presence of deep emotions. We feel out of control. And I must speak to us as Africans, especially African men. I don't know how many of us grew up in a home where you saw your fathers just telling your mothers, oh, I love you. This is a rose for you, by the way. I love you. You know, just reading poetry. Um, if, my, if my mother walked up to my father in the morning and says, I just want you to know I love you, my father would be shocked. He'd be like, what's, what's the problem? What's this? 
I'm telling you, he's a, I mean, and I know they love each other, but that wasn't their, that wasn't, it wasn't their playbook. That's not how they played it then. And the challenge is that for a lot of us, well, yes, you've watched TV and all that, so you've been renewed in your attitude a bit, but you'd be surprised how much we carry on. So African fathers did not cry. And so everybody had to guess what was really happening in their heart. In fact, when I was thinking about this, I remember when Jesus talked about a people, he says they refuse to go in and they refuse for people who want to go in to go in. I just want to challenge men, especially, because women sometimes are prone to being expressive already. But that men need to learn how to get to the place where they are vulnerable in communication. And it will not, and this is a fantastic example, Benga, you know, where they say Benga is emotional. Because men already get offended when you describe them as emotional. What, what does that mean? How do you, what do you mean by I'm emotional? Are you, what, no, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not stable. I can just, you know, but, but that you can just, I can tell you from my own personal experience. If you cry before your wife, you are in good form for one week. <laughs> one week. Nothing you, nothing you can do can go wrong. Just one. I don't cry a lot. Maybe, maybe two or three times in 12, 12 years. Maybe twice. I remember that time in my office. Oh, I cried. <laughs> I cried like a baby. But she liked me for a long time after that. <laughs> ah! ah, I couldn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I want pounded yam on fried rice and snow. Oh, don't worry, just relax. Oh, ah. Nothing, you couldn't do anything wrong. <laughs> ah. And because you know men, so if you cry every day, there's a problem. So don't cry every day. But, but because I think that's where a lot of men just, just collapse and die because everything is just bottled inside. You don't have to, in, in that, use, that ability to come to the place where with words, with non-verbal, with tone, with body language, you express what is actually in your heart is extremely important. Your body language and your actions, I think it's in First John where the Bible says to love not just in words, or speech, but also in actions, because you can say one thing and do another thing, which totally contrary to the things you're saying. How do you invest gold in your house, in your home? Um, Proverbs twenty-five and eleven says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Some translation says golden apples on trays of silver. And what does it mean when it says fitly spoken? It's Ecclesiastes 3, 7 that says that there's a time to speak and a time to refrain from speech. There's what is called a fit word, a word in season. And being able to understand when to say what is very, very important. So that not all things should be said at all times. And it takes practice. It takes the help of the Holy Spirit. It takes understanding the person you are communicating with. I'm generally, when I wake up in the morning, I don't want to talk a lot. In fact, I remember I told Ogo um, recently. Because she, on the other hand, when she wakes up in the morning, I don't know what happens when she sleeps in her dreams, but when she wakes up in the morning, there's a long list Ah, yes, this song, this and this. So one day I said to her, look, when these things come to your mind in the morning, can you just write them down? <laughs> and email me around two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> when, but there's a time to say certain things. The principle that says I can say with my mind at any time because I'm young, I live in Lagos, I own my own car, I'm my own person does not necessarily work for successful communication. And I love the way the writer of the book of Proverbs says the effect of words that are spoken fitly. He says it's like apples of gold. Apples of gold. So if someone gives you a golden apple, you're rich. So he says you bring wealth to your house when you speak words at proper season. The audience is important to understand what to say in public 
and what to say privately. Jesus actually gives parameters. He says, look, if your brother or sister offends you, he says, go and point out between them privately. So there's correction that should never happen in public. Um, sometimes when people correct us, it's not even so much so the fact that they corrected us that's the issue. Sometimes it's the fact that they've done it in public. So, sadly, men are typically very guilty of this. Where you're at a function and that's when you remember that you're going to rake for your wife or something. What will pain her the most is not the fact that you were upset. It's the fact that in front of your brother and my friend, Tunde and Nena, you just you can so you can so 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 Jesus says there are things which should be said in private first. Um, one last thing we mentioned about communication is that trust and openness, trust and openness. Trust is a big deal. So normally I would say to the couples, what are the things that would increase your trust for one another? And so the guy would talk and the girl would talk. And the reason that is important is because you communicate easier with people that you trust. And you need to, as a couple in marriage, understand how much trust exists between both of you. You can't force trust, but you must build and respect it. I believe that we communicate better at least I communicate better when I'm actually communicating with God on the side. Everything we will describe in marriage, these marriage skills, work a lot better if you're actually communicating with God. Because some of these things are not... Um, when we discuss the fruits of the Spirit later in the year, you would realize that some of these things actually flow out of your experience with God. Sometimes God gives you a word to just say to the person who you're married to and it changes everything sometimes God tells you when not to say something sometimes it's the Holy Spirit who literally will hold you back as you're about to say certain words we, we use words to when we want to get introduced to one another it's words or communication and then what happens is you know so let's let's assume um Again, Tolu and Dami. Tolu meets her for the first time. And he there's that period when Tolu is in overdrive, is communicating because he just wants to communicate. This is who I am, right? This is how much I like you or love you, depending on how it's doing him at the time. It's, he wants to communicate. This is how much your life is going to be better when you... And so when he sends her flowers in the morning, when he's writing poems copying from the internet and writing his name under and pretending that he's the one that wrote it when he's when he's showing up uh, like you know Benga is driving to Babcock and drive back you know and then drive three days again <laughs> you know <laughs> like wondering what's all that for <laughs> you know when he's doing all that it's communication he's saying you know whether it's raining or not I'm going to be here for you you know when he's learning the lyrics of the latest love song in town so I can come and sing it for you it's all communication. So we use words to prepare the way and we use body language. That's why they want to propose to her. You kneel down on the floor. It's an elaborate thing. You put rose petals, pour roses. You destroy their lives and you just scatter it on the floor. It had nothing to do with your love relationship. You almost lie down. You look for the most. You don't bring broomsticks or just twigs or ropes. No. You spend all your money. You borrow some. Buy gold. Big rocks that you've not even given your mother before and you just <laughs> here young woman you, you didn't carry me for nine months but hey it doesn't matter I love you here you, you kneel down why? because you are communicating and you, the challenge is and then of course the woman has because if the guy is just doing that and nothing is happening then, then he gets frustrated but she you know she will make Shakara small oh she saw the show I'm valuable oh there are 15 men asking me, oh, the guy says, oh, really? He runs. What are your favorite uh, chocolate? I'll bring it from Switzerland. He does everything he can do. You know, he's, he's waiting outside. You say, we're going out. He does everything. There's a dance that happens. 
there's a communication dance that happened. One challenge we see in marriage is the fact that after the couple have danced all their energy away at the reception, they get home. It almost seems for some men like, okay, now that's the end. Sometimes my wife says to me, I used to write me poems before. <laughs> my mind, I just say, I didn't have children then. <laughs> but I just like, oh yes, I'm guilty as charged. And I go off to the internet, I copy something, I send to her <laughs> very quickly. But you'd be surprised, I mean, uh, I'm going to ask, you'd be surprised how valuable the things you say are. You'd be surprised what God wants to say through you. You'd be surprised how the word you say to someone in very casual, you'd be surprised how much strength it brings to their life. This week, I would like us to practice investing words in people. And it doesn't have to be somebody you are in a romantic relationship with. And if you can, look for different people on different days. It doesn't have to be anybody in church. It doesn't have to be a deep, poetic line. Just, it might be a cleaner in the office. And just say something kind. Something true. When I say something true, I mean complimentary. Not true, as in, yes, I want to tell you this fact. But no, something that will... And look for, look for people around you. It could be a, your father, it could be your mother. Because the practice of investing with words or communicating to people is one that you get better at with every day. I don't know when the last time you went out of a way to just text somebody when it wasn't their birthday. Half of the messages I get on my birthday, for sure, people have been nice to me. Let's take it like that. But it's the non-birthday messages that mean a lot to me. So this week, text somebody. Leave a small note for someone. See someone and say, you know, I just never told you this, but you know, your energy when you sing in the choir, it's just so infectious. You're just such a nice person. Or you just have a wonderful smile. It doesn't have to be somebody. And that's, that's the thing. It doesn't have to be somebody who you are trying to toast us. No, no, no. Out of a pure heart. Amen? Amen? <sighs> I round up by saying what I said last week, that it is, it is, it takes more energy, more effort to build a bad, unhappy home than it takes to build a happy home. The investment necessary for a bad marriage is more than you need for a good marriage. And this is pure fact. Observation over time. It is easier. Um, the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. It means that you can regulate the temperature of your home by the words you speak. It says but a grievous answer stirs up anger. So in the middle of, and you could try it, in the middle of a tense situation there's just a small smile on your face and just a but you, you know that in all this we're arguing about whether Buhari is working or not working because you know just Buhari is working or not working can, can, can just cause wahala the whole family can just scatter right there because you know if you then move from we always speak about conflict resolution we'll talk about escalation you don't move from there to say this is how you don't never you never think logically <sighs> by marriage you are be it's in your home they don't think logically ah, ah I know all of you are sure people are like that you know and and you just, you know, you just go into, into, but there's a soft answer where you're going, you know, my dear, look, you know, Buhari or no Buhari, and, you know, I, I don't accept your views, but you know that I love you for all seasons, that regardless of the precedent, that I love you, that it doesn't matter what administration is in, is in, is in, is in power, that I love you. It doesn't matter what you even think. In fact, if it's military, I love you. <laughs> And there's a way that the person has to be the devil for, <laughs> for that not to change. And you could say, look, I love you too much for us to continue this argument now. There's a way a soft answer literally turns away wrath. 
The beautiful thing is that you don't have to wait for marriage to practice proper communication. Scripture is full of all sorts of instruction and encouragement. And I pray that God will help us in Jesus' mighty name. Why don't you please pray for the person next to you, if you don't mind. Um, if, if, they, if they are not too upset, just can hold your hands and just pray for them. If they don't mind, just ask, just pray, pray for them. Pray in the Holy Spirit for 30 minutes, seconds, one minute. You know, the big thing on my mind is the fact that we are all, it's a, we're, so, we are gates, we're vessels. And just pray that God will give them the lips of a learned that they will be able to speak a word in season to him that is weary and will be strengthened. That their words, that what comes out of their life will constantly be for good. What comes out of their mouths, what they communicate, that it will build and not break up. It will encourage, it will exhort, it will edify. That God will train up their spirits, their hearts and their attitudes, their minds, and that they will be carriers of good. Just prophesy into their lives that when they get married, if they're not married already, that it will be it will be blissful and not from just a from a mythical no 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 it, it will be that it will be gold in their houses. It says words fitly spoken are like golden apples upon trays of silver, that they will be that their house will be filled with riches in the name of our Lord Jesus, that they will not be the one that bring offense in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That God will give us words. He says, open your mouth. He says, and I will, he says, the Holy Spirit will give you words to speak. Paul says, pray for me that all threats will be given unto me. That God will give us words. That God will give us, that we will be slow to speak. We will be quick to listen. We will be swift to listen and slow to wrath. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like you to just pray for another 30 seconds for that person whose hand you are holding.